Well, here we are. It's now, what, July? Crap. Uh, so for listeners who are tuning in, uh, this series started quite cheekily in, uh, what, April? April? Yeah, and it's July 5th. So time warp. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were talking then about apocalypse in a very different way, I think. Um, but then, of course... You know, social distancing got to be a much longer thing, but I, you know, much more importantly, I think for the world, I, well, there's no hemming or hawing around it. You know, George Floyd was murdered by police and a whole wave of Black Lives Matters protests uh, have taken the country. It's one of those things that's tragic that we need this movement. I wish we didn't need it, but we we do, and we have to support it every way we can. It's finally kind of getting, like, it. people are opening their eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the most important thing is that we keep pushing it forward. I, I think that this one, maybe because we're all trapped at home and don't have as much distraction as we usually do. I've seen some good think pieces about that. Um, but I think it's really exposed some of the cracks in a way that, for whatever reason, even though we've seen this over and over before, haven't been exposed in quite the same right. way. I mean, publishing has been shook. Yes. Agencies have fallen. Yes. Uh, there's been walkouts. And it's so, it's it's hard, but it's good. It's necessary. It's important. It is important. Um, and I think the most important thing about this is that it doesn't stop with the the protests in the streets because that's not something that can just happen forever it doesn't stop with looking at the ways it's broken it it keeps going with changes in our habits you know in publishing the most important thing that we can do is support black authors support black authors support black creators um and you know that means buying books leaving reviews telling your friends um giving it stars on amazon yeah, I don't think readers fully understand the degree to which these things are all such such a big Huge. deal for authors. Well, it's just, it's so important. Yeah, pre-orders can determine if an author gets, you know, a second book deal. Um, reviews, mm-hmm. especially on Amazon, change the whole algorithm for what's promoted. Um, and Goodreads, like I really never go on Goodreads because I'm an author and it's not for authors, it's for readers. But I used to hang out there all the time. And that's where everything is like you discover great books there so you should definitely <laughs> leave a review yeah. and like add books to lists on goodreads um mm-hmm. you know and i think it's important too in this you know white lady point of view white chick point of view so i hope i don't have it wrong but when we are talking about science fiction and fantasy or if you're talking to your friends about romance or action or whatever um to make sure you are reading diversely so that you can recommend diversely. So you're not like, oh, um, the only time you talk about black authors is when you're talking about black books. But when you're talking about science fiction authors, you need to make sure it's not, you know, all white men, all white women, um, you know. Yeah, it's so easy, I think. um, And this is one of the things that's really been talked about a lot in publishing lately, but it's so predominantly and disproportionately white authors who are lifted up given the chance given the big uh, promo push when the release comes out, whereas it's much more likely that a black author who may be at least as talented doesn't get the same advance, doesn't get the same 
backing doesn't yes. get the same Did chance. Did you see that hashtag publishing paid me? Oh my God. It was shocking. Uh, yeah. It was shocking. I, which for those who, who aren't following it, um, it was a movement on Twitter in the midst of everything else during June. And you can look it up. Hashtag publishing paid me where people started sharing what they had been paid when they got their publishing deal as their advance. And uh, it was very easy to quickly observe that white authors over and over and over again got, well, two things. They were getting higher advances, but they were also getting more chances to get big advances, even if their first book failed. So they were not just getting more money, which also means you have more ability to do more writing, to promote yourself, blah, 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 in addition to what the publisher's doing for you. But it also means that they are not hurt the same way if they don't then make their advance back, which is kind of getting into the weeds of the publishing world if you're not an author yourself. But it means that there are multiple ways when it comes to how authors are getting paid by publishers that that authors of color are not being treated with equity right. and it makes a huge difference yes. and what it ends up meaning is that at the end of the day you as a reader are not getting to experience the same richness of creativity that is out there and uh you're getting a really limited white view of things which is just shitty for right. all of us frankly we need especially i I mean, I say especially. It's not especially, but for us in the science fiction and fantasy genre, we do see a lot of the same thing. I'm not saying the stories are the same. They are all like, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, we only, all these white stories are exactly the same and they're all boring. No, they're, they're great. But you have to, other people have to be at the table and they can take it to a deeper place where it hasn't been before. Everybody, I feel like, especially in our genre, we want new so if we want new and yeah. we want to think in a way we haven't thought before in some weird, wonderful way of imagining aliens or imagining, you know, uh, fantasy, then we have to have different types of creators. Yeah. 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 And I was thinking about this early. Actually. Okay. I want to get into something that you just made a great point that's contingent to, but um, let's just like tidy up this one really important point first, and then we'll dive into the rest Can I of say our apocalypse. One thing series. real fast. So real fast. Yeah. So we said the publishing paid me hashtag on Twitter. I did want to give credit. Um, L. L. McKinney on, is a YA, a black YA author. And she actually created that. And you can follow her on Twitter, L on words. And she is the author of, um, she has two books that are Alice in Wonderland retellings, and it's A Blade So Black and A Dream So Dark. And I think she has a new one coming out, A Crown So Cursed. So check those out. Those did look seriously incredible, by yeah. the way. I love Alice. You know I love Alice in Wonderland. That's what I've got tattooed on my arm. <laughs> it's as awesome. a reference to Alice in Wonderland. And this one in particular looked like dark and topsy-turvy and just wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, If you're looking for ways to support diverse authors, if you are looking for ways to find wonderful authors to read who may be beyond what the author or what publishers are shoving right in your face with their with their uh, promotions, I I would look at own voices, which is a hashtag on Twitter and also just a really good thing to look out for in general. If you don't know what own voices is, it simply means that the the perspective characters, the protagonist, represents a 
diverse perspective that is true to who the author is. So it's not a white dude trying to write a black woman. It's a black woman writing a black woman. Or Right. So if you're getting a book about a Chinese Mm -hmm. experience, it'll be by a Chinese author, basically. So you know it's an authentic viewpoint. And the the biggest problem with that is... I feel like I'm getting so in the weeds. No, it's okay. Um, It's interesting. But, you know, if if you're a white author writing a black perspective or another any type of diversity perspective one you could be getting it really wrong in ways you don't even know to look for but two you're taking someone else's opportunity away their place at the table as shitty as it is uh publishers will kind of check the box and say oh we already have a black female perspective in our collection for 2022 and then they will move on right they will not say hey this is also a great book and just also put it in their lineup so look for those own voices yes um and then the third one i wanted to call out is blackandbookish.com it's another just really great resource if you're an author if you're a reader and just want to get more plugged into the great books that are out there that others are not promoting to you all right so (laughs) um yes you were talking about getting those other uh, perspectives on world building and characters and just yes beyond that kind of like stereotypical George R. R. Martin kind of like medieval right. Western European type of world. Yes. I am reading two right now that are killer for this. And they're also kind of apocalypse So it's, it's right on theme. I know. I'm so excited and I will say I think these are both taking me a little bit longer because they frankly just don't fall as easily into the tropes that we're all used to so I can't just like fill in the blanks myself I have to like really plug in which is also wonderful because both of these authors are just so incredible and it's it's really worth it to be paying close attention so the first one is Dread Nation by Justina Ireland and oh my god God. So first of all, this is a historical fantasy with a zombie apocalypse. You're like checking all my boxes and I have this loaded up on my Kindle. I'm waiting for vacation to dive in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like going into it, I felt a little bit like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer vibes, but it's not campy like that. It's it's much more serious and it deserves to be taken more seriously. It's such a good like commentary on what was going on with slavery, right? But she does this incredible thing, Justina Ireland, where she gives me, me, it's just for me. (laughs) The reader. She she provides a voice through this main character that both feels really true to the historic time period, but also feels really accessible and modern, which, wow, that has to be really, really hard to do. Right. Yeah. But no. it's so good. It's so digestible. But it feels like you're right in the time period. And then two, her main character, Jane McKean, is the freaking best. Like, you are going to love this character. She is so just like, I don't She's just really sharp. I'm looking at the book cover right now, and she looks like a total badass. She Others? is. What is that weapon she has? Oh, is it the um the circle scythe type of a thing? Yeah, yeah like, like yeah. for crops, but it's for zombies. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. No, she's incredible. She's so so smart and she's so she's got like so much like attitude, like the right kind of attitude where she just does not take shit, which mm-hmm. 
is just like ah uh, ah, uh, and then she. <laughs> I'm not even. You know it's good more, when like but, that's like, how you there's have no to words. describe it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, it's just been it's so much fun, and so I I feel like I'm building up really close to like the the climax scene right now. And it's gone some places kind of literally where I did not expect it to. Um, mm-hmm. But it starts in Baltimore, which is like a hop, skip and a jump from where I live here in D.C. And every once in a while, like my my work's other office is in Baltimore. So I know Baltimore. Right. So even though it's a different historical period, it was really fun to be like so close to where it was taking place. That's always fun. Yeah. That's always fun. And then the second one is the Poppy Wars. Yeah. Have you read it? read it? But I've heard about it. No. This is one that's been a real journey for me. Uh, it's like 18 hours long. I'm audio reading mm-hmm. it through Libby, right? Which means that the library takes it back at oh, one yeah, at some point. Yeah, you have to hurry. Yeah, and I've not been hurrying. You've been telling me about Libby for years, but I just like jumped on the Libby train. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I gotta finish this book, so it's been like the best motivator ever for me because it just disappears. I know it's really good, but it's also like oh shit, like reading becomes a race. And um, the problem with this book has been I am now borrowing it for the third time, (laughs) which I can tell you if anyone out there is wondering, and if you're wondering, wondering, uh, (laughs) I, I'm glad. Always wondering. You're a good audience. (laughs) (laughs) I. No, but it will remember where you were before if you have to give it back in the middle of a read. So when you get it back, it will remember you and it will say, here, you can start off exactly where you left off, which is nice. It's like it keeps your bookmark. I have a lot on my queue, but as far as what I've recently finished, it's been it's been all over the place. Oh, okay. just Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm like, no, 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 that's great. I've like read, if like, you had a to... bunch of thrillers, <laughs> a bunch of horror Ah, yes, horror. So I just read Haunting Hill House. Or wait, no, that's not the title at all. The Haunting of Hill House, because I can do words. I read it about three years ago for the first time. It is not what I expected it to be. It's... It's, like, witty. It felt like, um, it felt like Dorian Gray. Well, Shirley Jackson is just amazing. You need to make, like, do a Shirley Jackson deep dive. Okay, yeah. Because I feel like it's, it's like that, like... Everything is kind of cutting, like her main characters. Like, there's always more to them. Like, yeah. you feel like they look very, like, you know. Like, they look like there's not twisty, but then they are, if that makes sense. Yeah, They're yeah, yeah. That's a lot of fun. But, yeah. and, I mean, like, even just, like, like, the banter of it was so, like, quippy at every, like, line. It, right. it Seriously, it felt like Oscar Wilde. Like, it felt yeah. like that level of just, like, zip, zip, zip. Like, Snappy. what? Yeah, that's not what I, I expected that. from a, a gothic, you know, like Victorian type of novel like that. Woof. Especially, did you watch the Netflix show? No, I haven't done that yet. Uh-uh. So I've got to start picking those up. Oh, it's really good, but it's a, it's a completely different vibe, though. Well, to me, it was a completely different vibe. It was, like, real angsty, and it was good. It okay. was good. Um, there's some twists there that are a little different than the book, so you'll still be able to enjoy it for what it is. Just don't compare it. Like, it, it needs to be, like, its own thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, before... I know we're in the apocalypse, and I'm not derailing us, but I'm just wanting to give you an idea of, like, the dark stuff. What's the difference read. at this point? Just do it. <laughs> I, went, I went from reading Circe, which was, like, my favorite book of the year so far. Really, yeah. really love it. Um, and then I read a vampire book. And then I read a <laughs> uh, Dexter book. 
And then I read a horror book called, well, it was basically about this woman that was missing for two years and then she just showed back up. And I don't want to give thrillers, but it was a horror novel and it was really good. And it combines, it's called The Return. And it combines like a girl's trip to a creepy ass hotel. Like every room is different. One will be like the green room and everything will be green. And the other one will be like the gothic room and it'll have like fake crows in the corner and like a grandfather clock. And like just this really weird hotel in the Catskills, I want to say. I want to say it's the Catskills. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you who wrote it. Because there's like, if you just look for The Return, there's like a million books called The Return. Oh, okay. That, that figures. Yeah. It is by Rachel Harrison. And I really think you would like it. And it's a quick read. It's like, a, you know, like a day. I got to tell you, though, while we're on like the whole like moody uh, horror type of thing, yeah. Uh, one, have you been hearing all the buzz about Mexican Gothic? Because I'm having total FOMO. I want to read this book so badly. I need to tell you my story about Mexican Gothic real quick. Do it. Because I'm all about this book. We did a New Year's, like a New Year's episode about what we were most excited for. And Me- Mexican Gothic was one of mine. I was so here for this book. Anything Gothic, a new, per- this is why new perspectives are important. Well, they're not new. They're like, New to white people. I mean, you know, like that's why they're <laughs> diverse. I want perspective. I want to devour all the gothic stories from every point of view. Like that's what I want forever from now on. So I was really excited about this book. And I followed the author on Twitter and like I followed her on Goodreads and like I pre-ordered the book and I was so excited. And then so when you pre-order the book, it doesn't charge your card until it comes out. My card expired. And so I didn't get it. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to get on Libby. I'm still going to buy it because I had to wait for my new card to come in because it had like, I don't know. I guess it did come in. I just need to rechange everything. So I was like so annoyed. And so I went to get it on Libby and I was still going to buy it because I wanted to support the author, but I wanted to go ahead and start reading it. I didn't want to wait. Uh, so I got it. I was like, yes, there's not a hold. But then you couldn't read it on your Kindle. You had to read it in the Libby app. And I can't do that on my phone because it hurts my eyes. So I have the audiobook. I'm so ready. <laughs> Like, I'm so determined to get this book. I'm so determined. That's I'm going to listen to it in the car. It looks so good. And then another one I'm really excited for that's another, like, super recent release Mm -hmm. is Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. And it sounds super gothic horror-y. I don't know a huge amount about it other than that. But, like, the name just has me for some reason, and it just looks so vibey and moody, and it's got a gorgeous cover, and I'm in. Like, it's, I already used a credit on it for Audible, and I just need to get to it. Well, it looks amazing. you had me at Gothic Horror, so. Yeah. Um, does it look, like, campy, or is it more, which everything that's gothic is a little bit campy. Like, even the classics, you have to um, be. Okay, here's, here's a clip from the description on on the blurb okay so combining the haunting sophistication and dusky atmospheric style of sarah waters with the unsettling isolation of oh god i'm going to not be able to do the same i apologize kazuo ishiguro Mm -hmm. uh and so it's comparing it to never let me go oh catherine house is a devious deliciously steamy and suspenseful page turner with shocking twists and sharp edges that is sure to leave readers breathless. Ooh. It sounds amazing. Oh, I love the comps. 
I love yes. it. Never let me go is just wild. So yeah, I I actually saw that was one that I saw the movie before I read. I think. And so even knowing like what I was getting myself into, I was still like, oh no, oh no. I know, that one's so scary. So um, I have a couple more that I'm really looking forward to. I don't think they're new releases, but they're new to me. And one is The Mem by Bethany C. Moreau. And I really like this because I haven't read it yet. I have it um, and I can't wait to dive in, but it takes place in like this, the art deco, like real flashy world of like last century sometime, but it's like an alternate history where a scientist has been able to like extract and freeze memories, if I'm understanding it right. And they're destined to live the same uh, experience over and over because it's like, I guess for your viewing pleasure or whatever. Well, then there ends up being one that is sentient and is able to create her own memories. And it's her story. And I've seen people compare the idea to um, Westworld, except like no robots or I was anything. Thinking that just the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what she can do. She like sees through all the crap. Uh, what's her name? Oh, I can't do names anymore. I mean, I was never good at names. But well, like when you don't leave the house, what are names? Who needs a name? <laughs> like you, yeah. the other Blonde person. Girl, I'm gonna call you Banks, anymore. and I'm gonna be Red. And that's what we're going to call each other. <laughs> Maeve. Maeve. Um, that's kind of what Maeve can do. Cool. Like, she sees through all the coding and programming, and she can just, like, reset the rules. Oh, that's awesome. It's very, it's very Matrix, too. Well, uh, Westworld's one that I started, and, well, you know, I have kids, and I never finished it because I can't, they kept coming in the room, and it's not one I can watch, like, with them running no. in. I'm so sorry. I did not realize I was spoiling that. No, it's okay. I, oh, I like spoilers. It doesn't bother me. Um, okay. Like, well, I apologize to readers too because it's only now, or to <laughs> it's only now occurring to me uh, that that was a spoiler. Listen, EJ, my brain is so fried from the damn apocalypse. I don't even remember what you said. Like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> reset. I don't know. It's almost a superpower at some point. Like, you're just immune. I'm just so tired. <laughs> I'm like not. I thought I would thrive in this environment. I was wrong. I'll die so fast in a real apocalypse. Oh, no. So the other one I'm excited about is Frankenstein in Baghdad by Ahmad. I'm, I may say this last name wrong, and I'm sorry. Ahmad Sadawi, S-A-A-D-A-W-I. And it is, I'm going to try to read you a little description. New York Times called it brave and ingenious, gripping, darkly humorous, profound, and it says, from the rubble-strong streets of U.S.-occupied Baghdad, a scavenger um, collects human body parts and stitches them together to create a corpse. And so from there, you can only imagine if it's a Frankenstein retelling. And it, uh, it says, Frankenstein in Baghdad captures the white-knuckle horror and black humor um, the sur- and the surreal reality of contemporary Iraq. It, it's won a bunch of awards. I'm very, I'm very excited. I've definitely heard the title. I'm like seriously going to Goodreads right now to just add this to my queue because I always forget these things. Um, well, we know I yeah. forget these things. I can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So we were going to do an apocalypse episode, I think. Yeah. 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 But like, we're, <laughs> we're all 
y'all just living it. I like our gothic episode. I'm pretty happy. Yeah, you know what? Okay, let's just talk about this because yeah. everyone keeps talking about like they've kind of retreated into romance because it's so light and easy, right? And I've done some romance and I don't usually do romance, but every once in a while I get really super hardcore into a romance. Right. And whoa, that definitely happened to me. But I feel like this is probably says a lot about like how insulated and safe my life has been, but I have kind of gotten into like the really dark horror serial killer type of stuff with a very similar sort of like escapism isn't that weird well I mean you know who you're talking to so I don't think it's weird (laughs) at all but I definitely see because I've I've always kind of been drawn to like that reading and that watching but it is hard when you fall down that rabbit hole almost you feel like you need to like shake it off ever so often and read something completely different because I'm like yeah what is wrong with me Yeah, but I got to tell you, I've been watching Hannibal, and I am freaking obsessed. I love this show. I need to watch it. And it's gruesome. This is the first time I have ever watched anything, except for actually, very specifically, in the second Hannibal film, where he... Have you seen these? No, but you can go ahead. It's fine. There is a scene... Oh, at, spoiler like, the alert. Climax <laughs> of spoiler alert, everybody. If you haven't seen this movie, uh, the second in the Hannibal series from like 2000. The late 90s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is a scene near the end where he drugs up some guy who's one of the like main crew, whoever, and uses a bone saw to cut his head open oh. and expose the top of his brain. Oh, brain stuff freaks then, me out. That's like the one thing I can't do. Keep talking. Okay, okay, I'll say it quick. So he cuts out part of his brain while he's drugged up, and of course you can't feel it when it's your own brain because there's no nerves in the brain, fries it up in front of him, and then feeds it to him. That was one of the few things that, like, yeah, like, truly put me to that place. This show does that same thing. Like, (gasps) I got to the second episode of this show, and it's something new every single week where it's, like, that level of gruesome. Oh, no. And... Seriously, like I got to the second one and I'll usually watch a show of whatever I'm doing while I eat my dinner. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to eat while I watch the show. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, never it's be able that to eat again. gruesome. <laughs> but, but I'm really enjoying it. Well, you know what's weird? Like, you know how like, I feel like I'm not easily, I'm not squeamish. Um, you know, I've watched all the you shows and I've, Read a bunch of books. I read the Dexter series. Um, Love Villanelle and Killing Eve. Watched all of Dexter. The only thing that freaks me out is the brain stuff. Like the last season of Dexter, it's all about like the serial killer that does like these lobotomies on people or whatever. And I was like, nope, nope, right on out on the brains. I had to like fast forward. And I don't know why I'm like that. It just <laughs> freaks me. Well, well, so yeah. I may not watch Brains Hannibal. are important. <laughs> Um, no, don't watch the second Hannibal. Whoa. <laughs> um, but no, like all the stuff in the show is not brain stuff. It's just really gruesome. Like in the second episode, the serial killer that they're tracking down, like they find all of these bodies in the middle of the woods and they have mushrooms growing all over them <gasps> and their hands are sticking out of the ground because they were actually buried alive and drugged <sighs> so that they would stay alive for as long as possible because they needed their bodies to be alive so that these mushrooms would consume them. 
Oh. Like, it was such a bizarre, weird thing. And then one of them was actually still alive and, like, he's, like, part skeleton already because he's so emaciated. But, like, the drug that they put in him was, like, this preservative. It was so weird. But, like, these bodies are, like, the grossest bodies. This is not, like, when you watch Bones and, like, they take the body apart and it's just, like, been hit by a car or whatever. It's, like, it's, like, the grossest thing ever, every single week. But, like, the motifs... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. (laughs) I was just going to add something on that mushroom body. Like, it was about to be a tangent, so go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So, I was just going to say that... um, what they've done with the characters is really fascinating because, of course, you've got Hannibal, who is a serial killer and a psychologist, right? right? So he is completely lacking in any sort of empathy, totally, like, whatever. So the guy who plays the protagonist, who, by the way, is married to Claire Danes, hmm. true facts, um, he's also adorable, oh. but um, he plays this character who has, oh, they kind of talk about it briefly and then move on. But the idea is uh, that he's got some of disorder that makes him able to fully and purely empathize with absolutely anybody. And so this makes him, like, crack to this police force because he can get into the mind. He can study the crime scene and then fully empathize with the killer. And they can work backwards. Yeah. Right. Um, And then because he gets so deep into these mindsets of all of these different serial killers, by the end of season one, he's like completely lost his mind and it's like this whole thing. But he is so perfectly the polar opposite of what Hannibal is that it makes them a really interesting duo because they kind of interact as colleagues and kind of friends, but not really. And then it's also a patient psychologist relationship. So it's, like, really complicated in every possible way, but they're just, like, such... But it works. Yeah. Like, they balance each other in a way just because of how different they are. So where does the show take place time-wise with the movies? It is much earlier than the movies. Okay. Um, Hannibal's probably in his 40s. Okay. Um, so he's, like, secretly killing this entire time. And there's this whole, like, in almost every episode, this is another reason why I cannot eat while I watch the show. In almost every episode, there is some sort of scene where Hannibal has people over for dinner to his house, and he does this whole, like, the type of thing you would see in a three-star Michelin restaurant sort of display of the food that comes out uh-huh. and, like, the quality of food that he is cooking in his own home. He's just, like, super into the cooking. Right. And every single time he puts meat down in front of anybody, I'm just like, holy shit, is that a person? Yeah. And, like, sometimes it's clear that it's not, and then other times it really, really heavily implies that it is, and it's just so cringy. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So there's this really campy episode in the last season of Dexter, either the next to last season, where they're looking for a particular serial killer. They don't know who he is, and, you know, like, that's Dexter's whole thing. Um, And maybe, yeah, killers. He finds one killer and he's trying to decide if it's the right person and it's this guy that runs like this exercise kiosk in the middle of the mall and he's like up there and he's like trying to just act like a patron like oh i'm interested in this stuff and the guy starts taking his bmi and all this and dexter's thinking like he's really into working out well then later when he breaks into the guy's house there's like a meat grinder in his kitchen he's like holy shit he wasn't interested in working out he was interested in dinner (laughs) 
we really we really went off roading with this. Uh... <laughs> it's just it's it's a weird does a body good <laughs> that I'm sure someone has done a lot of great writing about that I should find somewhere. But like I don't understand why it's such a like fun thing to read about this particular stuff. Uh, so here we are. Here we are. All right. I feel like our uh. <laughs> We, we really went off the rails, but I like it. I'm here for it. I'm here for the Hannibal. It's what we the, do. Get used uh, to it. <laughs> gothic stuff. Listen, speaking of gothic, since I've been on this break, I've watched every version of Wuthering Heights that is available to stream. <laughs> Everyone. Did you watch the one from... I didn't watch the modernization ones because I tried and I just couldn't do it. Like there's one that's set in like a high school in the 90s and I was like, eh. That's just abuse without any sort of oh yeah yeah i well i started this i was like oh i should do a weathering heights retelling but it is so toxic and it's yeah, my it's favorite i love it but it is just it is not a romance it is nope. two people with problems being codependent on each other in the worst possible way yeah yeah it's just two people destroying themselves and each other yeah it's just something about you're, you're the person that, well, this isn't really love because it was like abuse, but they die and then you're just like, be a ghost and haunt me because I don't want to let you go. Every time I'm like, oh, what's wrong with me? Because this is the best. <laughs> Who hurt me? It does tap into something very like romantic, primal. Yeah. 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 And then there's the opposite of Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre, where everything's like very restrained the entire time, but you yes. get that same sort of like untapped, like what one, first of all, very messed up relationship. Well, two very messed up relationships with the same dumb ass guy. Yeah. But, um, but also just like that same sense of like the untapped, there's something very primal about it too, even though everything's so restrained. Like there, yeah, there is something about that having to hold back, but knowing so we got a message on Facebook telling us that we need to check out Continuum. I'll plan on doing that before oh, yeah. the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. It was nice to hear from, you know, Raphael. someone who's been listening. Yeah, yeah. Please, come, you know, reach out to us and tell us what you're up to and what you want to talk about on the show because it's a blast. It makes us extremely um, happy. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for shouting out, Raphael. And uh, we, we talked a bit about Battlestar Galactica, too. Yes. Love to geek it up. Yes, we did. That's a good show that starts with an apocalypse, actually. Well, I need to check it out because I love some science fiction, so. Okay. It's really good science fiction. It's also, like, really trippy. Like, when I start thinking about wanting to do, like, a really long-running series, I always think about Battlestar Galactica because they have a really rich, really talented cast on that show. Right. It's a huge group. And I... This show just lasted so many years. And the characters within the cast over the evolution of the show, I don't know if there is a single character who is not at some point the protagonist and also at another point the enemy, like the antagonist. Oh, I love that. It's so interesting. Like these characters evolve and they change and they make horrible mistakes and then they come back and do something wonderful. And it's... It's fun to watch. And it's in space. But it's also, and it's in space. Yes. <laughs> and there's there's all sorts of, like, AI shit going on. It's so cool. And it's trippy. Like, the stuff that, ha I, okay, we should watch the show and just do a whole series on it. Okay. 
I'm it's down. so good. Like, I have not seen this show in ages. It's about time. Okay. Um, but no, like, it's just, like, it gets so complex, and the characters are just so interesting and weird. Like, the stuff they do to some of these characters, like, I it'll be worth it to watch it again just to kind of, like, digest it knowing where it goes. Because right. you do wonder if they know where it goes sometimes. But... Like, there's times where I want to, like, write a serial for online or something, you know, like the way they used right, to publish right. in papers, like one chapter at a time. Yeah. And I don't have time for it right now. Maybe someday. But when I start thinking about something like that, I think, like, the only way to do it and know that you can sustain it long term is to follow, like, a Battlestar Galactica model because you need a cast that can do that. And then, like, if you get done with one character for like as your protagonist for a while you can kind of pivot and and start focusing on someone else's arc yeah that's very interesting and as a um I was gonna say as a reader but not just as a reader as like somebody that enjoys stories in any format television movies whatever I love that I love it there's nothing I love more than getting inside like Seeing, like, you have your main character and their arc, but then suddenly you pivot to some character that wasn't even important there, and suddenly you discover they have, like, their own huge story here for it. And yeah. Battlestar Galactica, bleh, I can't talk. Battlestar Galactica is one of those to where I've never seen it, but, I mean, it's such a familiar title. It's one of those, like, everybody's talked about at some point. It's made its way into just pop culture. So, yeah. I, it's about time I checked it out, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sci-fi icon level at this point, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's worth it. And just, like, where it ends is so weird compared to where it starts. Ugh, not so. But, yeah, it starts with the, um, the world that they were all living on is destroyed by the Cylons, who are, like, robots that look like people. So, um, this one Battlestar ship that was out like doing like some sort of routine thing and they were coming back from their like war voyage i'm not telling this very well because it's been way too long and this is in the first episode but basically they were supposed to be like returning back to their planet and it got destroyed right before they finally got to go home everyone was so excited the entire first episode that they were going to get to go home and then home just totally died so then, uh, you know, everything kind of goes from there and they just kind of are like, guess we're not going home and they have to like go off and fight their war. I'm going to have to check it out. I'm like, <laughs> so, listen, so my earbuds were doing just full disclosure. <laughs> my earbuds were doing a weird thing when you were talking and I knew you were recording and I could see your lips, but they petered out. So I was like, I have no idea. And, and then like, right when you finished your story, like it was comical, right? When you finished your story, they started working again. So I heard the last sentence <laughs> meant to be, I'll, well, I'll hear it like, like our listeners on the podcast, yeah. because I do listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And you know, you'll get to, you'll get to experience it all fresh right. when you start watching Battlestar Galactica. Fresh and great ideas. You're spewing. Yeah. I'm going to just, oh my God. I have a them. friend who pointed out the other day that um basically like all of the new television that we're watching right now Mm -hmm. was created like a year ago and we're like two seconds away from not having new tv oh no which is kind of funny to think about but like also like this is just where we are and like frankly i've been like waiting for this moment in some ways Mm -hmm. because 
I have so many shows like Hannibal right. that I've been dying to watch and haven't gotten to. Watchmen is on that list. Oh, um, yeah. Well, hell, I got Battlestar <sighs> Galactica, and apparently it goes on forever, yeah, so I'm good. It does. You're good for, like, <laughs> two years. <laughs> two days. <laughs> <laughs> the current situation. I will be impressed, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> I want to watch Watchmen too. I'm excited about that one. Yeah. Super excited. We'll have to do a and show then on it. Doom Patrol is on HBO Max, I guess. So that I need to check out. That's yeah. supposed to be like zany, I think. Have you seen this? Isn't science fiction or fantasy, but I really like it. I think you would really like it. Have you seen on Hulu The Great? No. Okay, but I think... It is hysterical. I don't even subscribe to Hulu, but I think I'm going to have to subscribe for like a month so just to watch that show. You'll watch it, it in a day, incredible. two days. It is so good. It is... Amazing. You'll just be want to go huzzah all the time. It is the best. <laughs> no, it looks really great, and I love The Favorite, which was the same writer and director, I believe. Yeah. Um, that was no, the movie, like, I love right? Elle Fanning. Yeah, okay. everything about it looks great. So the favorite is a lot um, more serious. The, That's the impression I got. The great is a comedy, a dark comedy, but a comedy. It's great. Yeah, it looks incredible. And it looked a little bit like I was kind of getting, um, do you remember the Marie Antoinette movie starring yes. um, Kristen? It's that same vibe. Chris, yeah. Uh, I know who you're talking about. She was real big in the early 2000s. Dunst. Bring it on. Kristen, Kristen Dunst. Dunst. Kristen yeah, Dunst? Kirsten. Yeah, she was Claudia in Interview with a Vampire. She was a little girl vampire that never aged. That was that was a bit of a ride, but there we are. Oh, and um, have you been watching Umbrella Academy? Because I think that the next season of that's about to come out. I did see season one. I need to, it's been a while though. I'll just, I need to like rewatch, I guess. I don't know. It's a trippy one. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um... Yeah. All right. I don't well, know. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm like, I think, I think we can call it a wrap. I think uh, so. This has been my favorite apocalypse. It has been over the too. windiest, weirdest, uh, most upside down phase of my personal life. I can say that much for sure in terms of the context of the world. And uh, yeah. Without a doubt, I would not survive. I always, always thought I would because I kind of secretly thought of myself as a badass. And even though I have no, no reason, no reason to think that, but I just figured I would be and uh, would survive the zombie apocalypse and like the Terminator situation. No, I'd be dead. I'm like staying home and losing my mind. So <laughs> I can't make it through 2020. Keep well, zombies. you know, yeah, it's that <laughs> moment for all of us, I think. I, but... You know, what we always forget, guys, if you listen to this and you like it, then you should leave us a review. Give us five stars. Give us a shout out. Tell a friend. And subscribe. And yeah, and tell us uh, yeah. your favorite apocalypse as well. Yeah. And your favorite gothic stories because we totally went there. We should just turn that into a series. We should do a more something like that. My favorite cannibal. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. It's been another series, and uh, we'll catch you next time. We will catch you next time.